Hi everyone, welcome back to Hitchcock University where you learn filmmaking from the masters. Last class session, we talked about Once Upon a Time in Mexico and now we're gonna pivot back to Quentin Tarantino and we're gonna talk about Kill Bill. Now, I'm gonna talk about Kill Bill as one complete movie um, because Kill Bill was written that way, it was shot that way and it wasn't until Harvey Weinstein uh, came up to Quentin and said, you've got a lot of movie here. I think this is two movies. We should split it up, make it volume one, volume two, and release it that way. And after a while, Quentin started kind of thinking about how to structure it and how to do it that way. And then he said, I know how we're going to do it. Perfect. Let's do it. Okay. So I'm going to talk about Kill Bill as, as one movie. In fact, um, it was even released at one point, I just for a very limited, in a limited screening as one movie, as Kill Bill, the whole bloody affair. Um, I wish that was on DVD or Blu-ray. That would be amazing, but it's not. So, yeah, we're going to talk about Kill Bill as if it's one movie, but I am going to split this up into two parts. Um, the more I looked at my research, I, like Tarantino, kind of had two episodes going. For a minute there, I didn't think I was going to get that. I, I, I wanted to split Kill Bill up into Kill Bill Volume 1 and Kill Bill Volume 2, but it didn't it doesn't quite work that way. Um, but So you're going to get two shorter episodes instead of one longer meandering episode. They'll be shorter, concise and uh, a lot more coherent, I think, which is, which is probably for the best. So in this class session, we're going to talk about influences because Quentin pulled from a lot of influences to make this movie. And um, influences are something that need to be both honored and understood, I think, by any storyteller. Um, it, this this kind of goes along with collaboration as well, but um, I want to I want to put it under the heading of influences. So here we go for our Kill Bill Part One class session. The idea of this movie started with him and Uma Thurman hanging out um, when they were doing Pulp Fiction. He had this idea of of making her you know the most deadly the deadliest woman in the world you know, part of this assassination team and it's just a gritty revenge movie. And she had come up with this idea of the name of this name of a character that she would like to play. And she also came up with the opening image of herself in a bridal gown, all beaten and bloody. So they kind of start collaborating here and, and then Quentin goes off to write it. And, uh, he, he really wanted to make this, his Uma Thurman vehicle, just a movie for Uma. That was it. That was the only thing really on his mind. You know, so he crafted the character of the bride around Uma Thurman as much as possible. Now, this film draws a lot of influence from uh, Hong Kong uh, kung fu films, Japanese samurai films, and then with some spaghetti western kind of tossed in there. Um, and volume one is more Hong Kong and Japan, whereas with with some spaghetti western and then... <laughs> And then volume two ended up being more spaghetti western, especially in that kind of big operatic sense with with plenty of Hong Kong and, 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 and samurai mixed in as well. So so he's pulling from all of these genres and, and cramming them into this one story that, that ends up being blending and becoming very unique. That one of the biggest things that influenced Quentin in this direction was he's always considered action directors to be the greatest directors in the world from a pure cinematic perspective. Just the ability to direct action and do it well, that for him has always been top of the line cinema. So this became Quentin throwing his hat into the ring into action filmmaking. And 
for Quentin, it's not enough to just throw his hat in the ring. He has to do it big and he has to do it well. Um, so he was really testing his, the limits of himself as an action director. And so one of the ways that he did that, though, was by keeping this as pure as he possibly could. A lot of the film was shot in Japan and in China. And so Quentin brought as few Americans with him as he possibly could. He wanted to let this Asian sensibility in both Japan and in China to help inform the filmmaking, the actual process of the filmmaking. So, for example, in the big uh, House of Blue Leaf sequence, the scene where, where uh, Uma takes on the Crazy 88, it's this massive scene. And American filmmaking is done in such a way that you shoot everything you can in one direction, right? So imagine a room split down the middle and two armed forces going at each other, right? Um, well, you would shoot one side, all of their stuff. And then once you're done with that, you turn around and shoot all of their stuff. And in a big action sequence, it's going to take weeks. And there's all this continuity to keep in your head. And there's all this, okay, so we're coming from here and we're going to there and we need to, but I'm going to get that piece at the end of the week, but I got to get these pieces now. And it's a big pain in the butt to do action that way. But the, the Chinese film crew, that's not how they were used to doing it. They were used to doing this old, this old school Hong Kong method to shoot action where what you do is you just break the fight down into moves, into a, a series of three or four moves, right? So, you know, you have a block parry slash, slash you know, I don't know. I don't know fight terms. I'm not a, not a stunt coordinator, but you know, so Uma Thurman does this, 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 and that. Okay. Those four moves. And what you do is you just focus on those. You, the whole world gets built around those moves and you put the camera, and, and, and then the, the director says, okay, so I think we're going to shoot these moves from here, here, and here, and here, okay? And then he goes over to the DP and says, okay, I think we're going to do this, 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 and this. And then maybe Robert Richardson say, yeah, yeah, that sounds good. Maybe one right here. I said, yeah, okay, yeah. And then, and then they'll go to the stunt coordinator and say, yeah, so I think for these three moves, we're going to go here, 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 and, 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 and Bob Richardson's thinking maybe here. And, uh, and he says, oh, yeah, 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 that sounds good. Oh, maybe one right here. Yeah, oh, yeah, good, good, good. Okay. So you break down the scene and just shooting continuity and get a bunch of different angles to cover yourself with and so that you have enough to kind of construct and montage the fight together. And you start with whatever the last move was that you shot and go from there. So it's always building on itself. And what it does is it builds a natural sense of continuity. It allows you to be more um, uh, spontaneous and decide on new things as you're going instead of locking yourself into this is what we're going to do. And so that kind of shooting style opened up Quentin to do everything he wanted to do and do it in a much more freeing way and do it in a much more naturalistic way and he wouldn't have had that had he brought an american crew to china or had they just shot all of these chinese scenes or japanese scenes in the united states so it was things like that borrowing from other traditions that allowed quentin to make this movie in a different way than he might have and allowed those influences to actually influence the film and the filmmaking and so while he was working on this project he met with so he met with the rizza from the wu-tang clan musical artist 
and they immediately connected over kung fu films. I mean, obviously, if you have a guy who's the headliner of the Wu Tang Clan, he knows old old Shaw Brothers films. Um, and so, as they're talking about it and getting really excited about it, Quentin says, "Well, you see, I'm working on this movie, Kill Bill. What would you think about producing the music for that movie?" almost exactly the same way you would produce the music for one of your own albums. It's like, great, let's do it. And so it became this great collaboration because they shared a common influence where not only is this the first movie that had, not only is volume one, the first movie that had an original, some original music in a Tarantino film, but the Rizzo would, would sample all these old sound effects that for a real, you know, Shaw brothers, you know, Hong Kong Kung Fu fan, you would recognize, you know, so there's some deep cuts in the genre that they're playing with, um, in the film itself, which is really, really cool. And, 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 and again, it, it, it allowed Quentin to pull from his influences by pairing himself with someone else who had those same influences and allowed it to influence their movie. Um, so another thing that they that 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 happened with the music though is in volume two, Robert Rodriguez came to Quentin and said, "I tell you what, let me score this movie for you, and I'll do it for a dollar. And if you don't like it, you don't have to use it because I just want more practice scoring my own films. Because we've talked about that with Rodriguez, how he likes to score his own movies along with a litany of other jobs that he likes to do on his own. And that's the first movie." Quentin has ever had scored for him. The only other movie he's had scored was um, The Hateful Eight, which, you know, that's that's weeks down the road, months down the road for us. And the beauty of, of Robert Rodriguez's score was he pulled on his own influences. He pulled on, he, he pulled on all these spaghetti Western scores and all these, all these um, Asian film scores and was able to then create a score for this film that does a really good job of blending these influences of genre that Quentin is playing with, especially in that movie where it's much heavier on the spaghetti Western side, but still has a lot of that Japanese samurai and Hong Kong Kung Fu film. So that's kind of a primer on how to pull some of your own influences. I mean, not to mention there's just some blatant visual things. If you watch, not blatant, but clearly heavily influenced by if you watch any of the movies that quentin has named in his in his number of interviews that he's done for these movies and just just watch a couple of clips from um lady snowblood or uh the chinese boxer or what have you and you'll clearly see there's some heavy influencing going on in this movie but that's how you use it you take it's it's the beauty of recycling right it's the beauty of not copying, but borrowing. And that's one of the things that a filmmaker can do so well. And it's what a filmmaker like Tarantino has made an entire career off of. He's not copying people, but borrowing from them. Borrowing ideas that he's loved for a long time and being able to put them into his own voice and into his own works. Okay. So that's all we have for this class session. In two weeks, we're going to do Kill Bill Part 2. Not Kill Bill Volume 2, just Part 2 of this podcast. And then after that, we're going to do Sin City and Planet Terror. That, so that's all I have for this class session. Thank you so much for listening for or listening to Hitchcock University, where you let, get to learn filmmaking from the masters like Quentin Tarantino. 
Um, if you like what you've been listening to, give us a like, a rating, a comment, a review, whatever, wherever it is you listen to the show, whether it's SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, Google Play, what have you. Um, don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, just the Hitchcock University YouTube channel, um, where I've got my Robert Rodriguez method experiments constantly running and, and new stuff um, fairly consistently, and you can keep up. Uh, with that and, and anything else we're doing on the podcast on Facebook, the Hitchcock University page and uh, Twitter at Hitch underscore U as in university. And then on top of that, um, if you have any comments, questions, whatever, just you just want to talk movies, uh, you can email me or email the podcast um, at Gmail, Hitchcock University at gmail.com, all lowercase. Yeah. Uh, once again, uh, thanks again so much for listening to Hitchcock University, where you learn filmmaking from the masters. My name is Taylor Bickle. We'll talk to you again in two weeks with Kill Bill Part 2. Thanks so much.